Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. <laughs> Kia ora everybody. I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. In today's episode, I speak with Renata about her three birth stories. One was a C-section and the next two were vaginal births. This is a really great episode and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Hi Renata, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. No worries, thanks so much for having us. No problem. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about you and who's in your family? Sure. So my name is Renata Lardelli. Um, I'm married to Jeremy. We've been married a long time. I think this might be our 13th year. Um, and we have three sons, Eli, who's nine, Sebastian, who is three, and Xavier, who just turned two. Oh, lovely. And do you guys have a store? We do. Um, we took over a little store called Little Mash about six months ago. So I work in there full time, six days a week and, um, work as a midwife from time to time as well. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. And did you plan the journey to pregnancy the first time around or what was that like for your family? Yeah. So, um, we've been married a little while before we decided to try and have a baby and, um, it didn't happen as quickly as we thought. So we went into our GP and found that I had polycystic ovaries. So that's what happened. We found out that there was a little issue there, had some testing done. And before we took any action, we fell pregnant naturally. So we found out that there might've been a little issue or that there is an issue that I have polycystic ovaries and we'd been trying for a year by this point um, and thought, okay, what next? And then before we did anything, we were pregnant um, on our own, which was lovely. We'd been probably married two years by that point. Yeah. Lovely. And how did you find out that you were pregnant? Um, We... I didn't feel pregnant. I just sort of had missed a period and thought, "Mm, okay, maybe we've been trying. So I just took a pregnancy test at home um, and it was positive. And my husband was at work that day. So I waited for him to get home and then told him. And we were just so excited because it had been taken over a year. And um, we had not long prior been told that we might have a little bit of trouble. So we were chuffed. Awesome. And did you have many symptoms after that? No, I mean, I just had like very mild pregnancy complaints, you know, a little bit of nausea, a little bit, you know, a bit uncomfortable, but it was um, fine in terms of how I felt. Yeah. 
Yeah. Awesome. And did you know where you thought you might want to deliver? Were there options where you lived? Yes. So we live in Hamilton, which um, is a little bit spoilt for choice, actually. So we've got the district health board, you know, the hospital. And then we also have two primary birth units, which is pretty special. Um, but I had an ovarian cyst. Uh, so that meant that um, I had to deliver in the hospital. And as the pregnancy advanced, it became clear that the baby wasn't going to fit in the birth canal. So I actually had an elective cesarean section with him. Cool. And what was the rest of your pregnancy experience like? Did you notice any sort of other changes as you got along or you just felt sort of fine for most of the time? I was fine for most of the time. You know, I was um, a midwifery student in my first year and I was working as a pediatric nurse. So I don't actually think I had the time to, um, you know, (laughs) worry about it, to be honest. I was quite busy. Uh, So I, I... look, it was pretty easy. Um, the only thing that was troublesome was this ovarian cyst and then they were picking up some, they call them soft markers. So they were picking up some soft markers on his ultrasounds, you know, like spots in the brain and the tummy and all of this. But, uh, in the end he was as perfect as could be. So it was a, a tiny bit of worry for nothing at all. Cool. And did you go to any antenatal classes or anything like that? I didn't with him, you know, I thought that because I was a pediatric nurse and I was a midwifery student, I thought that perhaps I knew enough. Um, But, you know, when they hand you a baby, you, turns out you don't know nothing at all. (laughs) Um, So so there's definitely some value in that, but no, um, Jeremy and I didn't do any antenatal classes. We just figured it out as we went along. Yeah. Awesome. And you said that you had an elective C-section. Do you want to take us through that experience and then into your birth story? Sure. So um, it's a little bit strange. You turn up to the hospital and you meet with the obstetrician and he kind of, you know, we knew that it was going to happen, that I was going to have an elective. So he just kind of hovered a pen around the calendar and then pointed it on January 12th and said, how about the 12th of January? And that was it. We walk out with a a date to have Eli um, and elective cesareans are a little bit strange because you turn up on the day uh, knowing that you're going to get your baby, you know, there's no pain beforehand. There's no nothing. Um, so we show up at seven. We were third on the list. So the last section of the day um, we walk in, you sit down on the table or they do the spinal, you lay down, uh, and then they deliver your baby and it's like a really, I, I hear surgeons say all the time, you know, it feels like somebody's doing the dishes inside of you. I don't know if that's quite what it feels like, but it's definitely an odd sensation. I could, I felt like my legs were up in the air and I had to ask at one point, you know, are my legs up in the air? Um, but they, you know, no, they're not. Um, it took a little bit longer than normal. They couldn't find the ovarian cyst and then wondered if, I actually had one, but in the end they did find it on one of my ovaries and it was quite large, just shy of a kilo. Um, so, you know, that's quite decent when you've got a baby in there yeah, as wow. well. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so the section took a little longer just because of the cyst and then they wheel you out into Paku and you hang there and think, Oh my word, I've got this baby. 
and then we went to the ward and you feel uh, because of the drugs you feel not quite with it um you feel a little bit separated from yourself and it's very I found it very difficult to stay awake and alert um but I had had advice that one of the best things you can do to get out of there um, and onto a birth unit is to get up and mobilize. So I was determined to get up that afternoon and I did. And we were able to go to the birth unit a couple of days later. Yeah. Amazing. And did you know that you were having a boy before he was born? I did. I've got no self-discipline. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> I found out at our scan um, and I found out for each of the boys, actually, I just um, had to know. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And how did he go with breastfeeding? Were you planning on trying to breastfeed? I did plan to breastfeed. Uh, he he was no trouble. He had a tongue tie um, that we chose not to do anything about. And I did use nipple shields for a couple of weeks just for some nipple trauma. And then, I mean, that became more of a hassle than anything. Having to sterilize them and transport them with you. So I just ditched them and breastfed. Um, and we breastfed for six months. Uh, and then he took a bottle, but for not many months after that, he kind of had stopped having a bottle by 10 months and, it was a very easy process, actually. When I say easy, though, I should rewind that sentence because I remember in the beginning thinking how much harder it was than it looked because <laughs> um, often it looks yeah. like such a, a simple thing to just put a baby to your breast. But to begin with, it's, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of fumbling. Yeah. And how did you go with your physical recovery after your C-section? Um, the recovery after C-section was, uh, great. And I don't know what was attributed to that. Um, perhaps that I got up and mobilized early. Um, I didn't have a lot of pain. I, I, I actually had no trouble at all. Yeah. Oh, amazing. That's a nice, um, mm. a nice story to yeah. hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. And how did you go adjusting to life as a mum? I guess with, with the newborn once you got to go home and what did you find that experience like? Like I said, I thought I had a clue, but I really didn't have a clue at all. They handed <laughs> us this baby and Jeremy and I looked at each other and thought, well, what on earth do we do now? Um, he was a shift worker and so was I. And then I was a student as well. So we were trying to juggle that. But, you know, when it's your first one, you you have all this, you have the day to do nothing else. Like there's no toddler to run around of. And if you want to stay in your jammies, you can. Um, but there was an instance where I was studying and I was going to throw on the towel. And so my mum took Eli, he was probably six weeks old, somewhere around there. And she took him for three nights in Rotorua. So not even in the same city as us so that I could get my assignment done. And I got over that hurdle and went on to finish my midwifery degree with all these children. And I still can't really <laughs> believe I did it in the end, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Amazing. And did you get your period back when you stopped breastfeeding or what was that experience like? I guess you have, um, PCOS. So did you, did it come back at all? It did. Um, not long after yeah. I finished breastfeeding actually. Yep. So, which was surprising because prior to that, it was really random. So I wasn't sure what would happen, but it did come back. Awesome. And did you and your partner plan on having another baby? Did you want to have a bit of an age gap? What was that? 
process like? We we did want to have another baby, but we decided that we would wait until I'd finished my midwifery, which still had a couple more years to go. So then we, I finished my midwifery and I started working as a midwife and we started to try for another baby and it didn't happen. And this time we waited a year before going to Fertility Associates and uh, Fertility Associates because we had a baby already, we didn't qualify for funded treatment, um, but they agreed that uh, we needed some help to be able to get pregnant again. So I did clomiphene, um, which we, I did six rounds, which normally you wouldn't um, do that many. And on my sixth round, um, I did get pregnant, but that uh, ended up in a miscarriage. Yeah. And did you notice sort of many side effects from the clomiphene? I know we've had a few people on the podcast that have um, used that and noticed yeah, really different different yeah. things. I was listening to Anna Reeves' one today and she was saying it made her crazy. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't notice. I didn't notice anything. Um, it just, I mean, just the process was frustrating and quite invasive and it wasn't, and it was just clomiphene. So I can't even imagine what it would be like to do um, treatments that are far more invasive and in depth than that. And you had a miscarriage. So how did you sort of recover from that? And what were your feelings after that? Were you ready to try again for another baby or did you wait a little while? Yeah. You know, I was devastated and you know, yeah. I hadn't really given miscarriages a lot of thought before that. You know, I hear about them and I know about them and they're really common. Um, and uh, I, I was surprised by how hurt I was from it. And I was disappointed because I chose not to have a dating scan at six weeks because it was a, a clomiphene pregnancy. And so I knew exactly, you know, like dates and everything. And so when I went yeah. to my when I went to my nuchal scan, the 12 week scan, the baby had actually died at six weeks. And I felt, you know, really let down and ripped off that I'd thought for those whole six weeks that I was still pregnant when I wasn't and that, you know, wishing that I had done the dating scan and that sort of thing. And it was, it was a horrible experience. I I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Um, But we, we decided to go again and, this time, if I rewind a step during the clomiphene period, we were also looking at adoption. So we were attending um, child youth and family workshops and looking at that as well because we, Eli by this time was four or something and we just didn't know and we wanted to have yeah. options. So it was pretty heavy, you know, a miscarriage and, um, you know, yeah. looking, exploring adoption. And then, you know, I drank this natural I call it hippie tea it's not a hippie tea that's kind of a mean (laughs) word but I I drank this um hippie fertility tea and I got pregnant (laughs) (laughs) yeah going from six rounds of clomiphene and exploring um adopting a baby to getting pregnant after drinking this tea Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, funny um, the way the world works. Isn't it crazy? I I would have drunk all yeah. the tea if I knew that that was going to happen. Um. So yeah. yeah. So then I got pregnant with Sebastian. I had him, and then we had Safe. 
Yeah, amazing. And did you have an elective C-section again this time around? No, I wanted to have a VBAC this time. Um, I was a midwife by now and I was a bit more clued up and I was like, I'm going to give that a crack. So I, my worst fear was being induced because if I was induced, I would have to go to my workplace and I didn't want to have to do that. I mean, I was going to go to my workplace anyway to deliver because, um, my options were to have a VBAC at the hospital, to have a VBAC at home. And I wanted to have the VBAC in the hospital, but I would have had my midwife. So I was paranoid about being induced. Um, and luckily I wasn't, I went into spontaneous labor at 40 and five, um, woke up. Now this is where I get confused because the last two boys are close together and sometimes it just blurs into (laughs) one, but I woke up, uh, so I started early labor the day before and we just kind of, we actually went gardening and brought a whole lot of hedges, hedge plants for our hedge. And it was just very mild and irregular. And, and because of my, um, work experience, I knew what it was. I knew that it was early labor and that I could have two or three days of this. Then the next morning I woke up, um, probably around five, it had cranked up a bit called my midwife at nine she came around and assessed me probably about 11 and I was what was I I was six centimeters and I tried to hang out at home for as yeah I was surprised by that I I for sure like was certain it would be three centimeters I was like I just (laughs) you know you want to hype you want to hype it down so that you don't get so disappointed Um, But I was six centimeters. And the crazy thing is, is that my best friend turned up that day who like, we don't see each other that often. We're just both busy, but she turned up that morning with sparkling grape juice and chocolate. I don't even know why. And she turns up at the same time as my midwife with the sparkling grape juice and chocolate. And I was in labor and it was like just a, I, it's a fond memory that she just was so in tune to know that that's what was happening. And she came to say hi to me. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, uh, I was six centimeters. I hung out at home as long as I could. Um, and then I went to the hospital at two o'clock and that was a fine drive. I was like, this is going to be hell, but it was actually fine. And then I got there and he was born at three. And when my midwife told me that, when she said to me, it's three o'clock, you've had the baby. I was like, mind blown because in my mind that was the longest that was the longest hour of my life it felt like 10 hours um but he was born I had a um I had him on the floor in in one of the birth rooms and um Pain relief wise, I had some sterile water injections, which I highly recommend. They're little injections that go into your back. And after I had those, he came. I've never heard of those. Yeah, no, they're great. Um, He came very quickly after that. Yeah, awesome. And did you plan on trying to breastfeed this time around? Yeah, I wanted to breastfeed a little bit longer, um, which I did. but still not as long as I thought I would. I only breastfed him till he was eight months old. And by that time I was pregnant again and I'd had enough. So, um, we gave up at that point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And how did you find your physical recovery from birth this time? Obviously it was so different to your first. That one was a little bit harder. Um, 
I had the abdominal separation. So I had a really weak core and I also had a, a vaginal prolapse. And that meant that my pelvic floor was really weak and it would often feel heavy. And so I had to do a lot of work with strengthening my pelvic floor and my tummy. And that was rough and put a little bit of fear in the next pregnancy and birth, but actually turned out to be fine and no trouble. Yeah. And how did you go adjusting to life as mum to a newborn and a, was he four? Yeah. And he was actually six, five at the time. So he was six. So all that miscarriage and adoption stuff took up a little bit of time. Yes. Um, Yeah. So there is just shy of six years between Eli and Sebastian. So Eli was at school and it was lovely. And I'd drop him at school. I'd come home. I'd stay in my jammies all day and hang out with this cute little baby. And then I got pregnant again and it was just death. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And did you plan, were you planning to try for your third or did it just happen? We were, um, we decided that because there was such a big gap between one and two, like we would have had all our babies close together if we had the choice. Um, but because there was such a big gap between one and two that we wouldn't wait. But then because it took so long, we didn't think that that would happen. So although we were trying, we were not, you know, like it was really, like it caught us off of guard. I honestly thought I had food poisoning. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so did you notice different symptoms this time? Yeah. I was much sicker, um, much, much sicker. And uh, that lasted the entire pregnancy. And I thought I was having a girl and I was deeply disappointed to find out that I was having a boy (laughs) (laughs) who who, who I wouldn't change for the world. But um, uh, there was a moment where I thought I was having a girl. One of the registrars at work did a sneaky scan on me and thought that Zave was a girl um, when she scanned me and told me that. And I excitedly went shopping and things. But um, actually, once (laughs) I had my formal scan, he, he was definitely a boy. Yeah, yeah. And so with being sick that pregnancy and you've obviously still got a young baby, what was that like for you emotionally? It was really hard. Um, That whole pregnancy and then the first year of Zave's life was probably the hardest period of our marriage. So like I said, we've been married for a long time, but we've never fought as much as in that time. Um, I remember praying like for Seb, please don't poo. Like I just couldn't face changing a nappy <laughs> when I was pregnant. And I just like, please wait till yeah. Jack gets home. Like it was just, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It was, it was tricky. It was tricky, but you know, you, um, the eye is on the prize. So you, you get through it somehow. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And had you planned on trying to have a V back again this time? Yeah, so I decided that because I'd had a successful VBAC at the hospital, I knew that I wanted to go to the birth unit this time. So we'd planned to have a water birth at uh, one of the birth units. So that's what we did with Zave. Yeah, awesome. And did you go into spontaneous labor this time around? Do you want to take us through that and then into your birth story? Yeah, I did. So I went into spontaneous labor with Zave at 38 and 5, so a little bit earlier this time. Um woke up at five in the morning with some labor pains uh and then oh 
Um, my midwife must have come and examined me, and I was seven centimeters. So, oh wow! No, no, I'm, no, 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 no. I'm getting two stories confused. This time, I just knew. <laughs> Um, this time I just knew. So I went and I didn't like with my first one that it was only an hour between getting there and the birth. It was too intense for me. And I knew that I wanted to be at the, yeah, I knew that I wanted to be at the birth unit earlier this time and just kind of get my head in my head in the game. So, uh, this time I knew I had, you know, I've seen hundreds of babies being born and done it myself so I knew this time so this time I just met her at the birth unit and she examined me there and I was seven centimeters um and he came two hours later in the pool uh which I would say in my opinion doesn't hurt any less but I didn't tear with him so that that's my uh feeling on water birth and did you notice any difference in your physical recovery this time around? Uh, I was surprised because I thought I was concerned about how it was going to be having had a toddler and a school aged yeah. child. Um, but no, it was my physical and with the vaginal prolapse as well, actually. So I was worried about that, but I didn't tear. And I think because I was so conscious of it, I obviously I must've put in a bit of effort and, I had seen a woman's physiotherapist who just gave me tips. I'd seen her with Sebastian and she'd given me tips um, with Zave. And one of them is, you know, like she gives pelvic floor exercises and she also talks about wearing like shapewear, you know, like the underwear, like the tummy. Yeah, yeah. She talks about wearing those, um, the ones that come up above your abdomen. So wearing those for three months. And so I was really good at doing that and, I was busy and I wonder if just being active and busy helped because physically I felt fine. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And did you breastfeed this time around? I did. So I breastfed, um, Zave for just shy, just shy of a year. Um, he was a lot like Eli and just went off it and that's fine with me. Um, while I, I, I don't particularly enjoy breastfeeding, but I'm pretty good at it. And so, I was kind of, uh, I wasn't sad to see, say goodbye to that phase of my life at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and how did you go? I know you mentioned before that that was probably the hardest year um, that you had. Yeah. So how did you go adjusting yeah. to life with three kids and, and what was that like? Uh, it was really hard just having, it felt like I had two babies and Sebastian was just like a different creature. Like he when Zave was nine, like, honestly, he probably was like nine days old. I was sitting on the couch and Sebi went running past the front door. And I was like, how on earth is he running past the front door? And he'd pushed a, he'd pushed a like stool up onto his bed and then climbed on his bed, opened the window, jumped out the window, climbed onto the deck and then ran outside. And I was like, what the, what the heck? And um, yeah. it was just, I, I, I couldn't go anywhere. I'd go to swimming lessons and he would climb out of a buckled pram or I would <laughs> like, I'd go into the garage and he was on top of my car and my car's big. I don't even know how he'd get up there or <laughs> there was more than one occasion that he escaped our fully fenced property. So it was intense. I just stopped going anywhere. Hello Fresh yeah. and Bargain Box became my lifesavers. Um, <laughs> I had friends that would, you know, 
I'd catch up with them outside, you know, like in the evenings, like that kept me sane. Um, yeah, it was, it was hard. And now they're two and three and they are mates and it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Now that, you know, you've got through that sort of newborn oh, and yeah. really young <laughs> stage. My hats, yeah. my hats go off to those women that have those babies close together. That's an intense period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And do you think that you are done with three and your little family's complete now? Our family is definitely complete, but there was a period where we weren't sure. And my husband could easily have had a fourth, um, but left it to me and just said, whatever you want to do. And I did think about it. And, and people ask me this from time to time. And my conclusion is, is that a maybe is a yes until it's a no. And I was a maybe for a long, for a little while. And then I was a no and, and that no is so certain. And I just know that three boys is all, all that I'm capable (laughs) of. Um, (laughs) I, you know, if someone handed me a little girl, I would take her and, and I wouldn't even flinch, but I I can't be promised that. So no, I'm complete with three sons. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, amazing. And is there any advice or sort of word of wisdom that you'd like to give to other mums out there or maybe mums to be? My top tip for labor, like I said, I'm a midwife, so I've seen lots of births and I've given birth a few times as well. But my top tip for labor would be to keep your head in the game. So as soon as you lose control, which happens with long labors and pain, there's no way to come back. There is nothing. So uh, it's it's hard to describe, but if you can keep your, your head in the game and your eye on the prize and just think of contraction as one minute and just make it through that minute, then you'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. I think that's a great tip. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. And I think it's one that others will love to hear. So thank you. No worries. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear your feedback. So either leave a review on the podcast app that you're listening on or head to our Instagram at Kiwi Birth Tales and leave a comment there. If you're interested in sharing your birth tale, then please head to the Instagram page and use the email link to get in touch. Thanks again for listening. I really look forward to sharing the next episode with you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.